Support for this podcast is provided by SHL. From talent acquisition to talent management, SHL has the people insight to help you build a talent strategy that achieves outcomes like increased productivity, internal mobility, engagement and leadership diversity. SHL brings transparent AI technology, decades of trustworthy data science and objectivity to help companies attract develop and grow the workforce you need to succeed in the digital era. Visit shl.com to learn how you can unlock the full potential of your greatest asset, your people. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 253 of the Recruiting Future podcast. With everything that's happened in the last few weeks, just to timestamp this, I'm recording on March the 31st, 2020, there is understandably already a massive amount of content being released and discussion going on about remote working. I wanted to add some value rather than some noise to all of this, so I've invited back one of my former guests to give us a CEO's perspective on remote working. Victor Schmidt is CEO of NetGuru, a company that's always had a remote-first operating model for its employees. We talk about the difference between choosing to work from home and being forced to work from home and the implications of that for leadership. We also cover motivation, culture, equality of opportunity, and the likely future for remote working. Hi, Victor, and welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Matt. Hi. Good to good to see. Or good to hear you again. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great to have you back on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Sure. So um, I'm Victor Schmidt. I'm uh, the co-founder and uh, one of the co-founders of NetGuru. We are a software consulting and, and, and developing company we have a team of uh, 600 people now 650 people now uh, and we work with startups and corporates and we help them build digital products so it's a, it's a service business and uh, we, we 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 build software fantastic stuff so i first spoke to you about a year ago and we were talking about the fact that netguru is a remote first organization. And with everything that's currently coming on, it just seemed very appropriate to get you back on the show and talk a little bit about your your considerable experience running a company with remote workers. Before we kind of get into that, what's sort of changed in the last year? How, how have things developed at NetGuru since we since we last spoke? Well, I think, you know, with, with, with everything that's happening, I think you have to also kind of divide this time frame into like, you know, the, the year that was you know after after we uh, we spoke and then the last two three weeks uh, and i think you know the, the first uh, part of it we we were able to grow i would say quite, quite substantially um continued on a growth path uh, no real changes in terms of you know how we worked you know remote first we have a bunch of folks who were in the office but we also have people who decided to work from home and um, and this kind of yeah, it, it it scaled with with our growth uh, very easily, and and we are very very happy with with how it's um, all, was all coming together. Obviously, onboarded um, some new interesting clients, so you know, pretty much uh, business as usual. 
and then obviously um, the the last two three weeks were were, were very very different. Um, but in some ways, obviously, this and and that's I guess why why we're speaking today. We were probably uh, very well prepared. Um, and I guess you can never be prepared, but you know, in in, com- in comparison to some other businesses, I think we we're we we're quite lucky that we we had this um, kind of remote mindset from almost the very beginning. Again, for people who didn't listen to the show that we did last year, let let's just kind of start with the the sort of basics. So, so what is a remote first organization? I, I suppose in the context of before the pandemic situation. Yeah. So, so the way we we always uh, understood remote first was that our kind of default uh, whenever working with uh, in in teams and you know whenever we're doing in, in business wise, we always expected people to be uh, available kind of online. So so you know whenever there was a meeting, we would have this meeting on you know Zoom Hangouts, whatever tool you're using, that's where the kind of meeting place is. And then once if somebody uh, happens to be in the same office or they happen to be in the same room, they would kind of obviously join the, the meeting together from this room. But we 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 don't have this expectation of uh, people being somewhere physically. So we, we we designed the whole company in a way that allowed almost everybody to be uh, wherever they wanted uh, at any given moment. Obviously, there's a huge amount of content and discussion um, around remote working at the moment. And and I think one of the most interesting things for, 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 for me are the people who are pointing out that actually there's a big difference between choosing to work from home and being forced to work from home. What advice would you give to the, the leaders out there who are, who are finding that pretty much their whole workforce are being forced to work from home? What, what advice would you give to, to leaders that can help their people cope with this sort of dramatic and very sudden change? Well, look, I, one thing I would like to say for sure is that I think everybody who is now listening to this podcast or, you know, us, you know, kind of, you know, speaking today, uh, I think we are in this, I mean, everybody has been affected by this, but I think we are in this hugely privileged situation to really have this opportunity to, to be, so to, to be working from, from, you know, from home and to be working remotely. I think there's, you know, number and, and a huge number of folks, you know, including uh, doctors and, and nurse, nurses and people in this uh, kind of essential supply chain um, and, and people who are, you know, basically doing things that can just physically cannot be done remotely. And I think, you know, we, we are talking about the struggles and, you know, we've all probably seen all the, the memes coming uh, going around about, you know, the, the struggles of, of work from, working from home. But I think this is really like, a, in some way, almost like a first world problem in, in a way that, that I think we, we really have to have this perspective that, that we're hugely privileged that we are able to um, kind of do most of the stuff that we, that we do from home. And I think in this context, um, you know, the, the thing that really struck me, you know, in the last two, three weeks was that how quickly and, and how um you know just pretty much the whole world and a lot of people who, who traditionally were just really against and and they did not have this mindset were forced and then able to do so many of those things that that they felt impossible to do um remote to actually do that remote and i have you know a few examples from my uh from my you know personal life like you know folks like if things like you know just signing some 
uh, small contracts or, or you know setting up some uh, some things that that were just really everybody always wanted to do in in person. Now obviously nobody wants to do it in person, and we figure out a way. Like you know, we, and and with with homeschooling, with education that's that's happening for for in a lot of countries uh, now online. I think it's it's if if there is a thing that you know, especially at this moment in time where we say you know there are some advantages and then there are some you know silver linings in this, is that how quickly those things can change. But then again, obviously, like you said, you know, a lot of people who do struggle with it. Um, and and I think there are, there are some strategies and tactics that you can take. Um, but for me personally, th- this is something that was super easy for us because of, of the culture and the mindset. And I think whenever we, you know, if before, before this crisis, whenever we were talking about, you know, how to, uh, how to transition the company into being more remote, we always said, hey, you know, you have to start with the culture. You have to start with, you know, figuring out, you know, what, what kind of, mindset do you have as a leader and and what kind of mindset do do people have on your team and how can you change and and evolve this mindset usually like you know slowly and gradually into something that would allow you to be very very productive in in this kind of remote environment Uh, obviously now it's it's quite uh quite hard to do it uh you know in, in, in an evolutionary manner, <laughs> we, we all had, had to go through a revolution right now. So it's, uh, it's rough and people are you know, slowly getting used to it. Uh, but I think they have to be uh, yeah, just basically we have no choice. I suppose digging deeper into that, into that culture thing, you, you know, you talked about that you created a, a culture that kind of really, that really worked remotely. How, you, you know, um, Thinking that this is going to go on for for some time, we'll t- we'll talk about the the future a little bit or the likely future a little bit later. How can people maintain their culture remotely or, or build a different culture remotely? What what would your advice be? So I, I think one thing that I would definitely point out as as this kind of a foundation of of being able to work remotely in in a way that's kind of productive and that's not causing, I guess, stress to to all parties involved is that i think in and this is this this really works in even if you're not working remotely but but i think this remote work adds additional layer of of complexity if if you don't kind of have this is is trust and i've been talking about trust kind of a lot i think but the, the the component of really trusting your team to do their their job and to do their work in in a way that's um that's the best possible way they can do that without having a constant control it's it's, it's this is this is the this is the key to being able to work remotely in in a productive way and i think it's also the key to being you know the most productive and and uh, you know the, the the best possible uh team uh even outside of this concept of being remote but it's huge, like, it's, it's even more crucial when we don't have this you know direct um supervision and direct control of, of you know, whatever people are doing uh, when they're at home you know in front of their computers and and I think I've seen a few of those you know kind of stories where with this transition with this rapid transition people are one of the first thing that comes to, comes to mind for for some leaders is like okay so how can I now have this piece of software that will then you know help me figure out what are people doing in, in a single moment in time when they're working from home and that's uh, i think yeah, and you know it's it's obviously it's, it's pretty 
um, I, I think you know it, it's quite easy to say that, that, that that's probably not the right approach. Um, but the underlying reason for that, obviously, is the lack of trust. So I would say, if you are looking to, if, if there is something you have to catch up on, if you haven't been, you know, paying too much attention, is is trusting your people. So now um, you really have to step up your game in this and, and figure out how you can uh, make sure that you that you work as a team without having to be, you know, directly supervising everybody at, at a given moment. I think this would be like the key message I would have. Um, absolutely. That, that makes perfect sense. Uh, and I suppose, again, leading leading on from that, what about motivation? And I suppose we can sort of talk about the, you know, your experience of, of doing this in the past. How do you keep a remote team or remote workforce um, motivated and productive? Sure. So I think, you know, the, all the... For for me, always when I talk about you know this kind of digital uh, leadership, if if you will, like you know, how do you basically lead the teams and lead the companies and businesses um, in this you know sometimes hybrid environment and sometimes you know purely remote environments? I always say that it's it's the same strategies. So if you you look at all the you know management books that have been written over the last or leadership books that have been written over the last you know years. And you look at the strategies that people are talking about; they're the same. But uh, what's changed is the tactics and the tools. So you know, people say, "Hey, you should be probably doing you know the, 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 some of the tools that people were were using in in, in the you know pre remote only uh, kind of environment are like daily stand ups and having some kind of a weekly catch up and one on one with your team. So all those things." you can do sometimes you can also do them even more productively remotely uh, but a lot of people in the past would struggle to do that because of the you know just kind of a, especially like 10 years ago i think some of the tools that we had available to do video conferencing or to do uh, you know proper uh, real time communication were just not as good as they are today so Today we have all the tools to be able to do pretty much everything that that we were, we, we should be able to do um, sitting in the same room, but do it over again Zoom or Hangouts. So so we would do you know daily stand ups. We would do f- things like you know kind of a weekly uh, catch up course or weekly one on ones, uh, and then kind of a layer on top of it something that I think is is pretty strange i guess in the beginning and, and and i think it again like three four weeks ago if we said and we we've done this before as well like but but, but if we were talking about this um you know some time ago people said this is super weird like this is this is weird now i think everybody's like oh, i think I, I should try this is um is how can you also move some of those informal and and social interactions um in this kind of a virtual and, and remote s- space, so you know you, you see this uh, those stories coming out uh, about you know people just you know scheduling their their dinners and their drinks with their friends over over a Zoom call, and it sounds bizarre, but I think it it's it's just the new reality in some ways. But what we've done in the past on in, in a smaller scale, and we now done you know on a much larger scale. It's, it's pretty much to do the same thing for for this kind of a social business social um, uh, occasions, which is like for example people who are eating lunch to the, together, um, you know, at certain moments in time as a team, 
uh, in front of their you know video uh, uh, video call. So those are the things that you can kind of put in there. That you know, that it's obviously not the same, but it's something that you can help um, bring in some some sanity into the situation and and you know create this this human connection and and not kind of a become this 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 remote cavemen i think you know that, again a lot of us have seen the, those those uh, uh memes on, on about you know the remote work where people are going into uh, this kind of a caveman mode without shaving without doing anything just because they're staying you know at home so to, to be able to counter this this uh, you know this risk uh, I think there's there's a lot of ideas, and then and this is really something where you have to be creative. Like we, you know, we have um, we have somebody from our team who is doing every morning. Uh, she sets up a, a kind of webinar session for stretching, so she will do like a stretching session at eight, 8 a.m. Anybody on, from the team can join on a, on a call, and she'll just basically like run a, a small fitness stretching session for for whoever wants to join. Um, so that's that's one of those things that I think creates this uh, additional layer of of kind of human connection and, and sanity. And uh, one more thing I would add that I think is super interesting change, and also I think brings brings in this this kind of a human part of of what you're doing that was traditionally very much hidden uh, in uh, in this kind of a remote environment. So whoever was on the video call, you always tried to you know, be as professional as possible. And I think, you know, we still all want to do that. But we just realized that with, you know, a lot of people having their kids at home, it just becomes impossible. And 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 we we see so many of, of our, you know, internal and also our client calls where we basically have kids, you know, running in and just joining the call <laughs> randomly or screaming from the other room or uh, are doing something that I think in the past would cause a lot of embarrassment, and you know, again, I think this is the the, the, the famous CNN video with the uh, with the with the kids running in on on the guy who was who was on the call with uh, to live on live TV, which was like a huge weird uh, and a famous thing in the past. Now it's basically like an everyday situation for for most people working from home. Uh, and on the one hand, it's like kind of a, it's, a, it's a strange thing, but I think it's also a, a good thing because it's it kind of again brings in this this humanity back into the, the, the this this kind of a techno uh, world of, of of remote work absolutely and i'm kind of at the stage where i'm thinking i'll just i'll just make my four-year-old the co-host of this podcast <laughs> because i'm getting so many, so many interruptions the final question as i said it's you know it's, it's very it, it's impossible to sort of predict the the future but one of the things that that we talked about on the podcast last time was equality of opportunity between remote workers and office workers. As this situation plays out and presumably people go back to offices and, you know, maybe there will be an increase in, in remote working. Do, do you think we'll finally see that equality of opportunity between remote workers and uh, people who are working together in a physical space? Yeah, it, I think it is hard to predict. I think I think it's that uh, you will definitely see a um, at least a part of of this what we see today to survive you know after after the crisis so I, I think a lot of people who are you know completely against this will now say hey okay well actually maybe we should you know consider it more and then people who are like you know somewhere on the fence they'll say yeah this is this is totally working like we should totally do that 
So I think there is going to be like a movement into the this right direction. I think with a lot of things I've seen, you know, even not on the on the kind of remote spectrum, but also like on the part of, of basically the digital um, world. So you know, a lot of companies who thought that they now that they still have like ten years to really do this slow and evolutionary transition into digital. Now they think, oh, well, actually, we need to digitalize much much faster. Um, so I think this could be similar with, with remote work. So like people who are like, okay, well, it's probably the future, but like, let's, let's kind of, uh, let's not rush it. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, now they will realize, well, I think the, the, the window of, of, of opportunity and the, the, the change pace is going to be much faster. So this is one thing I would say. Um, but I think something that's, I would say much more important from, from the kind of, a, a HR perspective uh, is that. And and this is something somebody said to me, uh, or I read it somewhere, and it really stayed with me. And I I I feel like I, this is something that's going to definitely happen. Is that you know whenever there's a in the recruitment process, you, you have a you have a conversation with with a candidate, and you you get to this moment where you say, hey, you know, do you have any questions for us? Like, what what do you want to know about the the company? What do you want to know about the organization? And I think one of the big questions for a lot of people is going to be how did you handle this crisis how, how what kind of steps did you take and how did you treat your employees how did you treat your people uh in in this time of crisis and i think a lot of people will going to make their decisions on whenever to join the organization or not with this in mind so i think this is this is one of the things that i really Think about a lot when we when we re, you know when we think about how do our, how are we going to deal with this crisis? Is that we have to have this lens? Is that this is really a a, a time of you know, like a time of really like a, something where you have to make good decisions, and it's, it's not going to be easy decisions, and you, it's it's really hard right now to say what's the right decision, but uh, but it's an important one for sure. Victor, thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. My thanks to Victor. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow us on Instagram. You can find the show by searching for Recruiting Future. If you're a Spotify or Pandora user, you can also listen to the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.